Hello and welcome to Balance City with your host, me, moi, Danielle. We're going to talk all about the juicy stuff, about relationships, about business, about mental health, all the things when it comes to the journey of life, right? And what you'll see along the way is no one's perfect. We all have our shit, (laughs) to be frankly honest. And I am so thankful that you're here to be on this journey with me. And I'm going to have some epic guests sharing their story. And I just cannot wait to get this started. So let's go. Welcome, welcome back. I am so excited that you guys are here. And today I have an incredible woman. And I hope those listeners that are out there right now, if you're inspiring in the podcasting space or thinking about starting a podcast, like this is the conversation that you want to listen to 100%. So I have Hala here. And we met on Clubhouse, but we didn't really like physically meet. Like I heard her in, I heard her in her room where you were hosting, I think like a, you were holding, hosting like a podcast space and yeah. you were interviewing some incredible people. So Hala, I'm going to pass you the mic and do a little intro and we'll go from there. Sure. So my name is Hala Taha. I'm the host of Young and Profiting Podcast. It's the number one podcast across all apps in the entrepreneurship and self-improvement category. I'm also the founder and CEO of Yap Media, which is a social media and podcast agency, and also the founder of the Yap Media Podcast Network, which just got signed to Cumulus. So very excited about that. Amazing. So I kind of want to dive into why podcasting, right? Like what, what, what made you interested in it to begin with? Yeah. So I started my career in radio. I Mm -hmm. used to work at Hot 97, which is a huge radio station in New York. It's the world's number one hip hop and R&B station. I was Angie Martinez's assistant. She was the voice of New York. And I was 19 years old. I had dropped out of college for this internship opportunity, which really was like a paid, sorry, it really was like a real job, but I just didn't get paid. I went there every single day and worked on the show. And I just fell in love with radio. I used to think I wanted to be a singer. I always knew I wanted to use my voice to make a positive change in the world. And at first that looked like being a singer. I thought that was the only way I could do that. Then I fell in love with broadcasting and radio and had a lot of ups and downs in terms of getting my dream job in this space. But here I am finally, uh, you know, owning what I do at Yap Media and Young and Profiting. And I think that's like such a, you know, inspiring message because there's so many people out there that are trying to gain that success and they haven't hit it yet, but um, it's something to, I want to go through your journey, right? So like, it wasn't easy. Am I right? Like, no, I was going to. Sure. I was rejected by every single platform you can think of. I was rejected Mm -hmm. by radio. I worked at Hot 97 for free for three years. And when I asked for a paying job, they fired me. And not because I was a bad worker. Obviously, you don't keep somebody around for three years if they suck. It was because they felt like I was a a threat, like an HR threat, because I had asked to get paid. And they're like, crap, we haven't paid Holland in three years. This is risky. Let's just cut our losses. And they fired me. And and all my mentors worked there. All my friends worked there. And it was devastating. And so then I started something called the sorority of hip hop, strawberryblunt.com. And my idea was I was going to have a platform for other women in the hip hop and entertainment industry where we would band together and become stronger. I had accumulated about 5,000 Twitter followers uh, from hot 97 days, which was a lot at the time. This was Mm -hmm. like 2010 before social media was really a thing. And so I, I recruited other girls who had big social media followings 
who worked at iHeart or Def Jam and all these different kind of companies within the entertainment world. And we banded together and I knew how to build blogs because while I was working at Hot 97, I used to blog on the side for the DJs like Funkmaster Flex had a uh, Mm -hmm. blog site, DJ Enough had a blog site and I used to blog for them. So I learned how to use WordPress, how to build sites. And then I just built my own strawberryblunt.com, the sorority of hip hop. I was the president and we blew up so quickly. I went back to school within three months. We were one of the most popular entertainment sites in the world. And that's because I figured out how to hack Twitter. I got all these girls who had a Twitter following. And every time we put out a blog, we would at mention the celebrity that was involved in the blog. Mm-hmm. And then 50 pretty girls would tweet it out. So Drake came out with a new song. 50 girls tre- uh, tweeted out to Drake. Drake, like this was very innovative at the time. Drake's like, what the heck is this? <laughs> Strawberry Blunt. Let me just retweet this. Obviously, it's a movement. And then MTV scouted us. They asked us to be a part of a reality TV show within three months. They shot our first pilot. Nothing happened. Um, Then we became basically really famous within the tri-state area. So we Mm -hmm. were hosting parties all over New York, uh, concerts. We had an online radio show on the side. And uh, it became this little movement in the tri-state. I had about 150 girls in and out of the organization. So in terms of the end of it, three years into it, MTV came back to me. At the time, I had the choice to become a personality on Love & Hip Hop. I had Mm -hmm. Mona Scott begging me to be on Love & Hip Hop. My boyfriend was a very famous music producer at the time, begging me to be on Love & Hip Hop. Like 100% had a, a spot on that show or I could have had my own show on MTV. So I chose my own show on MTV. This was right after Jersey Shore. They filmed us all summer. They got us a studio on Broadway. Um, they filmed us doing a dance. They filmed me at my parents' house. Like it was amazing. I thought I was already famous. I was 25 years old, getting my hair and makeup done every day. Like I was so broke before this. And then all of a sudden I had like really cool clothes and treated like a celebrity. And two weeks before they were supposed to air the show, MTV pulls the plug. So now I'm rejected by radio. I'm rejected by TV. I was devastated. I could have went and got a show on Oxygen. I could have went back to Mona Scott at Love and Hip Hop, but I I was so turned off mm-hmm. and it was like trauma from the entertainment industry. So basically six years of working for free while all my siblings are in med school and uh, getting real jobs. And I'm like this one, like going on this really unique path. I was sort of the black sheep of my Middle Eastern family at this point. Nobody was talking to me. Everybody thought that I was a failure and that I was like this party girl. And so I just was like, crap, I better just become normal. I shut everything down. I had 50 girls that were furious at me because I was like, listen, I can't do this anymore. I was footing the bill, working side jobs to fund the blog and everything. And so I ended up shutting everything down and I went and got my MBA. I had to beg to get into MBA school because I had a terrible undergrad because all I did was work at Hot 97 (laughs) during my undergrad. Right. And so I begged, got into my MBA, got a 4.0, got a corporate internship at Hewlett Packard and started a corporate career. And for four years, I thought I'd never get back on a mic. I thought I was just going to be a normal corporate person. I did amazing in my corporate job. But then I got the itch. Uh, I didn't get this internal opportunity that I wanted within HP. And I started Young and Profiting Podcast. And here I am almost five years later. And they call me the podcast princess. 
Yeah. Young, <laughs> Young and Profiting was like my fifth or sixth show. You know, I had all those online radio shows in my 20s. Also at Hewlett Packard, I never really stopped being Hala. I would interview all the mm-hmm. CEOs and I was like the, the face of the young employees and still was this like sort of like a celebrity within Hewlett Packard itself. So it's like I never really let go of any of my skills. I kept building on it. Then I started Young and Profiting. I felt like I could finally give back. Like I had something to teach young people. I had been making my first six figures, was relatively successful in the corporate world. Also had this entrepreneurship experience and decided to put out the show. And that took off like pretty much wildfire. I like want to take a moment to let all of that like breathe <laughs> because that that was, that's I mean, an incredible, incredible journey. And I hope that you take those moments that you've like had those moments of being of, of accomplishment and you celebrate that because like, I don't think a lot of people do. I hope that you take those moments to celebrate. Oh, 100%. I mean, I always think about all these failures actually were amazing experiences. Mm -hmm, Like it's mm -hmm. not normal to get asked when you're 19 to work on the biggest radio show in the world. It's not normal to get a TV show when you're 25 and okay, it didn't get aired, but MTV spent probably half a million dollars on me when I was 25, you know, Mm -hmm. filming me and my friends. And it was great experience. It gave me on, on air experience. It made me confident. It just built up who I was, you know, at such a young age in terms of who I wanted to be in the world and how I wanted to be treated. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't regret any of these failures because I feel like the reason why my podcast took off and then later my social agency and my podcast agency is because I had so much experience to build upon. Yeah. Um, I've been doing this, this like podcasting before podcast was podcasts. You know, mm-hmm. I, was, I was doing online radio shows and probably have done more interviews than people like, um, Maybe that's not a good thing to throw. But I, I just had a lot of experiences. No, yeah, and I also, I also want to say, since you were like in uh, like the first start of this whole podcasting space, like, what do you say to those podcasters that are like, is it too late? Is podcasting too saturated right now? Yeah. So when I joined podcasting, it it was already relatively too late. I mm-hmm. remember it was 2018 when I started podcasts. Before that, like I said, I used to do online radio shows. Mm -hmm. So at the time, podcasts actually existed, but it was really technical to get involved. And so a lot of people didn't listen to podcasts. It wasn't cool to have a podcast. And so I used to do this thing called online radio shows. You'd go to an actual studio and there would be a website like alistradio.net, dtfradio.net. And you'd be like, hey guys, I'm live 3 p.m. Go to dtfradio.net to watch the show and chat live with us or call in or whatever it is. And that was the precursor to podcasts. So I had maybe four or five shows like that before Young and Profiting. Mm-hmm. Podcasts became a thing in like 2012. That's when like Jordan Herbinger came out. Lewis House came out. Mm-hmm. All these like uh, uh, Joe Rogan, right? Yep, yep. So all these huge, huge podcasters, they started in like 2012, JLD, right? Mm-hmm. I started in 2018. So that's five, six ye- years later than all these men that are dominating the charts still. So I did enter late technically. And I remember a lot of my friends, they, they weren't happy that I was starting this podcast. They came up to me and they'd be like, Hala, like you're too old for this. Mind you, I wasn't even 30 yet. You're too old to start a podcast. Like, haven't you learned your lesson? 
um, podcasting is so saturated, like you're never going to make it. And like, I got a lot of negativity when I first wanted to start. So uh, first of all, if somebody has not been where you want to go, they're always going to feel scared and negative because even if they love you, they They've never been there, so they feel like it's impossible, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas somebody yep. who has been there, like me, is going to say, no, if you're working hard, if you market yourself, if you try to stand out, you can still make it in the podcast space. There's so much like opportunity in this space. You don't need mm-hmm. to be famous. You don't need to be rich. You need to have a great idea. You need to be consistent and you need to be innovative. That's the thing. If you're not a creative person, if you're not going to bang like on doors, if you're not going to shoot out a million emails, try to get yourself featured on apps and things like that, then no, you shouldn't start a podcast because no one is going to give you listeners in your lap. You have to earn those listeners and you have to be really good at marketing. So what I would say is if you're not willing to either invest in a marketing team or do a lot of this grassroots marketing efforts yourself, then you should not start a podcast. But as long as you're willing to do a lot of marketing yourself and really go the extra mile to get those listeners, And yeah, you should start a podcast. Now, I kind of want to get into the interviews, right? Like when you're trying, when you're doing interview podcasts and like trying to find those people to interview you, okay, you have had some incredible, incredible people on your show, like Matthew McConaughey. um, What was his name recently? Thank you. Yep. 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 But I mean, but so many more. Yeah. Um, So go through that. Like how, how are you getting these people on your show? Okay. I'll tell you the story about Matthew McConaughey. And again, it's being scrappy, resourceful, Uh creative, right? There was no boilerplate email that I sent Matthew McConaughey. I saw Matthew McConaughey go on a LinkedIn live on a show that wasn't even a real podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what the heck is Matthew McConaughey doing on this little show? And so I found out his team's information and his email, and I took a screenshot of my ranking, which at the time was number one in my category for education. And then I also took a screenshot of my cover of Podcast Magazine, and I said, hey, Matthew, I noticed you're going on podcasts a lot smaller than mine. I'd love to have you on Yap. And then the screenshots, and that's it. And then they responded back, and they're like, yeah, let's set this up. And so it was just me being creative. It was Mm -hmm. obviously not a templated message. I showed social proof. And I do that all the time. Anytime Mm -hmm. I get a high ranking, I take screenshots and then I leverage that for the next few weeks saying like, hey, I just hit number one in entrepreneurship. Do you want to come on? Yep. That's how I just got Jim Quick on my show. And I I feel like I, I use those tactics all the time. They might just change depending on what's hot. So I got a Webby Award. So now I use the Webby Award to try to get yeah. guests. And before I had the downloads and before I had the accolades, I would use my past and the thought of believing in me as the way to get guests. So I had big guests from episode number five. And even before my first guest on Yap was my favorite author, Dr. Jack Schaefer. I got my favorite author on episode one. And that's because I reached out and was like, hey, Dr. Jack Schaefer, I love your book. Mm -hmm. Listen, this is my first podcast, but it's not my first rodeo. I had five different shows before this. I used to be in the music business. I've interviewed, you know, Soldier Boy, Fabulous, Chris Brown. Now I want to get to the business world. Here's a clip from what I used to do back in the day. I used to, I almost had a show on MTV. I almost was on Sirius XM. And I just gave them like my journey. And then they're looking at me like, well, 
if anyone's going to make it, maybe it's going to be her. Let me give her a shot. And the beauty is, is that now I've gotten Jack Schaefer on Jordan Harbinger's show and like all these bigger podcasts than mine. And I paid it forward because I'm like, hey, you gave me a shot when I was younger and now I'm going to help you out. And I've done that with a lot of my earlier guests. So I think it's possible to get big guests even from the Mm -hmm. start. Granted, I will admit that when I started podcasting, it was very unique for a girl to be involved in podcasting, for a young girl to be involved in podcasting, in business especially. And so I think I had that unique angle. And also, I used to reach out on LinkedIn. And here's the trick. Okay. Right. Yeah. This is this is applicable even now. Mm-hmm. So when I used to reach out to guests on LinkedIn, LinkedIn wasn't as hot as it is now. And so people were able to actually see their DMs. It wasn't normal for people to be DMing them on LinkedIn. Now you could say the same thing on Twitter. Like the best way to reach out to celebrities is to DM them on Twitter because Twitter has slowed down. And so there's a lot more visibility to your DM if you DM them on a platform that's not that active anymore. So keep that in mind. I no, I love that because I'm I'm kind of I I, I love the tactics of being scrappy because like <laughs> I do do that too. Like I first of all, Instagram has been the beat, like Instagram DMs has been the beauty for me in getting mm-hmm. in getting interviews. So I absolutely, I absolutely love that. Now, my next question for you as we're kind of rounding out one reviews and subscriptions, right to your podcast. How important are they? And like, how are you getting the reviews? Yeah. So I don't think ranking wise that mm-hmm. reviews are that important, actually. And I also think that Apple is where people usually look at reviews and Apple's not the only game in town. Apple's like Mm -hmm. 20 to 30% of podcast listeners now, especially for a new podcast. You can't judge how big a podcast is based on their reviews on Apple anymore. Because for example, with me, I have 260,000 subscribers on CastBox and my CastBox following is probably three times bigger than my Apple following. But you would never know that unless you're a podcaster and you know how to read chartable charts and all Mm -hmm. these different things. But moral of the story, Apple's not the only game in town. Now, it does help with social proof. I personally always ask for Apple podcast reviews because at the end of the day, people aren't educated. And a lot of people do think that Apple's the only game in town. And so sponsors are going to look at your Apple page. Mm -hmm. Potential listeners, a lot of them are going to be on iPhone looking at your Apple page. And the more positive reviews that you have, the more likely they're going to think you're a legit podcast because nobody can see your downloads, right? It's not obvious. Nobody can Mm -hmm. see the amount of followers that you have. The only social proof for your podcast on Apple is your reviews. Um, So I love asking people for reviews. Uh, That's the number one way to thank me and the app team, of course. And um, in terms of subscribers, that's seriously important, especially Mm -hmm. if you're a a podcast that's looking to monetize, right? Mm -hmm. So your subscribers are likely going to correlate with your average monthly downloads, your average episode downloads. That's what you're going to be able to submit to the sales channels in order to get sponsors. And so uh, growing your subscribership, most people are listening to like 10 podcasts and then kind of going on to the next thing. So you always need to be bringing new people into your ecosystem so you can keep your sponsorship numbers up and everything like that. No, I love that. And I hope that everybody who's listening, like take some notes because that was definitely some gems for sure in the podcasting space. So my final question for you, and then we're going to get all the you know links for you um, in the show notes, but when you, I mean, are, are you, do you have a family yet or are you? I have a boyfriend, no okay. family yet. <laughs> okay. So if you visualize like having a family, 
what is that legacy that you would want to leave them? Well, I, I don't know about the legacy that I want to leave my family. I think, I think my life has like two folds to it. Mm. I think, I think I'm in my first fold, which is really about being a positive voice for our generation, uh, teaching people how to become profiting, helping people get financial freedom, build their first side hustle, become an entrepreneur, uh, kind of the path that I took. I mean, I was a corporate, you know, professional. I, I started a side hustle. I became an entrepreneur, became very successful. And I feel like so many of my listeners are going down the same path using my show as, as their navigation tool as they go on this path of becoming a very successful individual um, and thriving in their young lives, right? So I think mm-hmm. that's the first leg of my life. And then the second half of my life, I hope to somewhat get involved in politics. I mean, I'm Palestinian. Yeah. Um, yeah. I witnessed a lot of bad things when I was younger in terms of human rights and um you know, I feel like my father came to this country, became very successful, was a great role model. And I feel like the way to give back to that and to help with my legacy there would be to just help the world be a safer place and and be a more fair, just place for people all around the world. Um, And I think hopefully I'll get into politics when I'm a little older. I'm thinking 50s, 60s. (laughs) Well, I mean, and I love it. And I love that you said that last part, because I actually want to connect you with somebody that, um, uh, when we get off this, I'm going to tell you everything about uh, it because awesome. I think that the two of you would, would work well together. But the next thing is, sh- I know my listeners are going to want to DM you, connect with you. So please share like your links, anything that you have going on. I'll share it in the show notes. Yeah, sure. So the number one way to support me, to follow me is to follow the show Young and Profiting Podcast. We're putting out two or three episodes a week. We interview the brightest minds in the world. I put out solo episodes. It's a a fantastic show. The reason why it's so popular is because the content is so good. So you can find Young and Profiting podcasts on Apple, Spotify, CastBox, wherever you listen to your podcasts. You guys can also find me on LinkedIn. I'm quite prolific on that platform. You can't miss me. Just search Hala Taha. And then Instagram at Yav with Hala. I've been growing my Instagram and we've been putting out some amazing content there as well. So creative. Like I am oh, obsessed you. with your reels and your pictures and stuff like that. So, oh, so good. So definitely make sure you guys follow her on there on all platforms. But Hala, I truly appreciate you for just taking the time to talk to me. And if you guys love this episode, tag the two of us. We'll show you some love. But again, Hala, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Danielle. It was a pleasure. Guys, I'm super excited to announce that I just launched an online clothing boutique called Bella Mel Boutique in honor of my sister who passed away from cancer. The clothing in there right now is incredible. The wholesalers that I'm that I'm going to have in there, I'm being very strategic. Um, they're going to be very special, near and dear to my heart as well. So please check out the website bellamelboutique.com and check the Instagram page bellamelboutique. And I can't wait for you guys to see it. <laughs>